Hey everybody, welcome to Tuesday Night's Narrative. What a nice, fun opening that is. I like the bat logo in the sky. Uh, who's going to play Robin? Noel. I'm Robin. Uh, you'll be Robin? Robin. All right. I was, I was watching Donald uh, Trump's favorite congressman, Matt Gates, on Fox News last week, confessing to a whole lot of crimes just because there was a, a scandal that broke in the New York Times saying he was involved with some 17-year-old. I've never seen someone run to a camera as quickly as Matt Gates did to talk to Tucker Carlson and reveal whatever he did. That's tonight's topic. And we've got a superstar cast tonight, don't we? We've got you, obviously, Noel Kassler, the one and only is here, but also Melissa Joe Peltier, the filmmaker, is here, and Andrew Laufer, the brilliant lawyer is here to help us navigate everything about Matt Gates, and all of that is coming up in just a minute from now. I was away for a couple of days for the first time in over a year. It was such a good opportunity to be on the road, and it felt so good. It also gave me a chance to catch up on no less than eight books in one two-hour drive, and that's because I was using this incredible app called Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. So when you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. That's really annoying. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes each that you can read or listen to. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com reach. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com reach to start your free seven day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you go and sign up now at Blinkist.com slash reach. Well, there you go. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Andrew Laufer, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Zev. How are you? I'm great. It's great to have you here tonight. And the lovely Melissa Jo Peltier. Did I say it with enough of a French accent there? I think it's Peltier. Uh, how are you? It's so nice to have you on the show. I've been dying to have you on for so long. And here you are. I'm thrilled. Very, very flattered and honored. Especially to be with Andy and Noel. And they Andy, nice. I know. <laughs> no, I've wanted to know, so I'm glad. It's an all-star team tonight. That uh, shot is beautiful. Of you, it looks like a uh, forest back there. Something very earthy and, oh, and natural. Yeah, we're surrounded by woods. So oh, live, so, so on nice. The side, three sides. How nice, nice. is that? Yeah, so. On the docket today is none other than Matt Gates. Did you guys see him last week on uh, Tucker Carlson, like an hour after the New York Times revealed that he was involved in human trafficking yeah. with teenage, you know, possibly a teenage girl? Um, he shows up on, on Tucker Carlson and reveals a whole lot of things about the case that no one was really even asking him, every detail you could imagine. And before we went on the air, uh, Andrew, you were speculating that this is, is one of those things that it feels like a Roger Stone effort, an operation really to cover up the truth. Yes, I mean, I, when I saw him on Tucker, I basically thought I also saw blood coming out of his ears from you know, Roger Stone yelling at him so loud to get in front of a camera yes. as best <laughs> as possible. It's that same mentality attack. They know that prosecutions, building cases, and, and, and getting everything set takes time. So they use that time to seed the narrative, so to speak, Yeah, which is not really going to twist the jury that much. Um, in my opinion, I don't think it works. It works good for press, maybe. Tons of jury trials I've done, you know, that kind of thing really doesn't come into play that much. It might stop it getting from to trial because he's not even yet indicted. He's just a, they're just investigating. So it might convince them to sort of lay off if you can throw enough chaos or confusion or other elements in the way, which he seems to have done, just to try mm -hmm. and get out of this. To be honest, I don't put that much 
credence in that. I don't think DOJ is scared of Matt Getz. You know, Merrick Garland, I don't think anybody working there is going to, is intimidated by this guy. If there's a crime, if they're, if the FBI has been on it, it sounds like they've been on it for a while. It sounds, they've got, there was like a, two superseding indictments for Greenberg mm-hmm. and they're really pressuring him, you know, it seems to either take a plea and, and possibly help them with other investigation, and one of which I believe might be related to Matt Getz or Gates, however some people would pronounce his name in that way. Regardless, I think that especially when you have documentation, you have emails, you have texts, you have all this other nonsense, communications, because they don't magically disappear once you hit delete. The Fed has that. It sounds like they got a slam dunk case, which is why he's freaking out so bad. And that's one of the cases. I mean, I think the thing that I found so interesting, and as I was looking into some of this stuff, you know, Matt Gates is more than, you know, he's multi-talented in his abilities to get the DOJ to investigate him, it seems. And there's maybe three or four other crimes that they could be investigating all at the same time. And so yeah. we're going to play a little game tonight. <laughs> These people turn into people, but right now they're just silhouettes because we're going to go through a little bit of who is Matt Gates. Uh, and I think he does say Gates because he wanted the scandal to be known as Gates Gate. So oh, that's he gets true. his wish. His wish is going to be this is going to be Gates Gate. Uh, and tonight we're going to see all the different things that our Donald Trump's favorite congressman may have gotten himself into trouble with over the recent past. And I'm going to begin with you, Melissa, because one of the things that strikes me so interesting is how much time uh, Matt Gates spends in Mar-a-Lago. I mean, he really loves Donald Trump, not just a little bit loves Donald Trump. He adores Donald Trump. There you see him taking a <laughs> selfie um, in the middle of the house. There's a, he, he got his friends, including Mr. Joel Greenberg, who you heard Andrew refer to, visit the White House. On the right there, there he is arriving at a special trip, a, a weekend away with the Trump family uh, at Mar-a-Lago. He's one of the few congressmen who gets to do that. And, and that's him waking up on a Saturday morning overlooking the flag at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, he's really one of the family over there. And um, you know Palm Beach pretty well because you, way back in the day, not way back, back in but the day. in the 90s, you produced a documentary about uh, Palm Beach, which I wish I could show you right now. I'll add it into the podcast, but it's an amazing piece of history because it tells you exactly what the, the that place is like. So can you describe one of the places? Yes, I, I spent a lot of time in Mar-a-Lago also. Which, you know, it was actually got you really boring. I mean, it was like, oh, got to go to Mar-a-Lago again. It really was like that. It was a documentary. It was commissioned by A&E based on a book by a, a journalist named Ron Kessler, who was used to be a uh, Washington Post reporter and then went on to start writing books and was a big fan of Trump's and I'm sure still is. He did an investigative book on Palm Beach called The Season. And he just hung out there during the season and went to balls and talked to people. And it was a very frothy, gossipy book. And so we were hired to bring it to life. And because it was A&E, which is sort of a conservative network, you know, we weren't set out to trash Palm Beach, but we were definitely there to get, you know, some good gossip and things like that. And the, the, the funny story about making that is that uh, I was almost arrested, rested multiple times once in a ball, in a ball dress in Mar-a-Lago, in uh, the breakers lobby where I was calling, my crew was calling their Why wives saying, arrested? you know, that's, that's how they are down there. I mean, it's they, been inside security, not just anyone oh, wanders yeah. in. Even someone with a, yeah. like you doesn't get to wander in. That's amazing. No, no. I mean, they, they really locked down their streets and we actually had to stop the production for three months while we got a First Amendment lawyer to, to 
fight the case for us. And fortunately, we won. But then we were yeah, like not allowed to film with sideworks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was great. And he was like, oh, this happens here all the time. I and mean, this is the place that in the 50s and 60s actually had you could be stopped and asked to show your papers mm. in Palm oh, Beach. Wow. And guess who they stopped? wasn't people like me i'm sure it wasn't white people (laughs) no no they didn't want random people of color unless they were going to or from their gardener or housekeeper job wow no no they didn't want random people of color unless they were going to or from their gardener or housekeeper job wow yeah it was it hasn't changed much over the years it seems like it's exactly the same kind of place yeah, I, you can't legally do that anymore, but mm. they will stop you now anyway for some excuse. Um, no, it's a really, really racist and, and anti-Semitic place. And um, lots of really wealthy people. I mean, you can't imagine the, the density of wealth there. I, mean, yeah. I only know it because of the Jeffrey Epstein investigation we did and looking at the, that small, tiny little section of, of, of the world has so many famous people in it who are so spectacularly wealthy that they still find time to complain and be all uppity about it oh it's a a bubble it's a complete bubble palm beach and the funny thing about the documentary was trump was actually one of the good guys in the documentary because when everybody all the old money shut us out we got a lot we got a couple old money people that we were able to interview but mostly we were new money of course welcomed us because they like see a camera and they love it and that was trump and that was in 1999 and uh, looking back now i realized that because he wanted I was told that I was going to be able to interview him for five minutes and that he wouldn't shake my hand and I'll set up here, you know, just interview him and then he's going to walk out. I've interviewed a lot of people, hundreds, and flattery is part of the job. And so I sat down and started to flatter him and we went 45 minutes and I ran out of things to say to him. I, mean, I really did. And he didn't want to stop. And so he, the, ne- the next thing he says is, you know, you guys have to come to my golf course. I'm doing a thing at my, my new golf course. It just opened. So we had nothing to shoot because we were being stonewalled by everybody else in Palm Beach. So we went to his golf course, we went to his fashion show, and it was interesting. And he was, I have always said he was very gracious to us, but he, he wanted something from us. This is before Apprentice. This is between many bankruptcies and Apprentice. But I realize now that was the first golf course he bought with cash. So mm. that must have been around the time. And he had only been dating Melania like nine months. So right. that was around the time, I think, that he really got in deep with Russia. And right. so they started giving him cash to launder. Do you remember the year? That was 1999. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, mean, I remember well the, the millennial happened in the middle of me filming this. I think the first attempt to bring him in as an asset was in the 80s, in the mid-80s. Late but 80s, then, yeah. You know, by the time 1999 came around, for sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, he was desperate. He couldn't get a, a bank in the U.S. to touch him. Yeah. Suddenly, he was rolling in cash again. Yeah. And the reason he made Mar-a-Lago a club was because he couldn't afford it. And it wasn't because he wanted it like he had, because, right. you know, the way he presented it to us was I had this great vision of this club that would allow anybody, they could be black, they could be Jewish. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so liberal and everyone hates me for it. And that wasn't really the reason that it came to club. It came, he really told club you that he was he so did. liberal and it would accept everybody. He really, well, that was his selling point. Well, everybody who could afford $100,000 right. a year right. plus... 300,000 a year for the golf membership, plus, you know, all the other fees that they stack on there, which are in, you know, the hundreds of thousands, anyone who could afford it. So that's really, that's, he calls it a meritocracy. That's his whole thing that that Palm Beach is a meritocracy. And I even got him to say at the end of the the show, this line where he says, I'm not impressed with people who are members of the lucky sperm club. I I only like people who've earned their money, which is so ironic. 
but he sees himself that way and he he i believe he believes his own myth and yeah. no your your experience of, of donald trump is like a bookend to what melissa went through so does he still ring yeah. true the same kind of person or um, did he evolve uh, absolutely i could listen to melissa joe talk all night because that's and that's around the period he came in my radar too came on my it was the late 90s but that meritocracy right. thing if he had been accepted by Badestone, for example in the 80s out in east hampton amagansett like he wouldn't uh, it wouldn't have been a meritocracy he was shunned by old money you know and he was shunned by old money in and palm still beach. was on palm beach they hated exactly him. exactly because like you said it so well and they he still likes hate the him. camera of course they do you know these people i know these people the last thing they want is attention there's a thing in palm beach you can see in the documentary where which totally stunned me you know this is well past the age of shoulder pads but women wear such big jewel encrusted brooches you know who wears a brooch anymore these women do but they're so big and jewel encrusted they wear them on their shoulders no, wow. That's where they wear them. So you'll see a big right. pin on somebody's shoulder. On top of a <laughs> giant shoulder you know, pad. Yeah. Extra size shoulder and, pad for the 1980s. Perfect. I mean, it's a complete bubble. It's you know, they, they want to get plastic surgery that looks like plastic surgery. There's this like status in this kind of pulled look and yeah. really giant fake breasts and it's a bizarre place. Ron Kestler said this, and it's true. He said, everybody thinks that you know, everyone just has matching resources, and who doesn't? <laughs> they don't have any clue how the rest of the world lives at all. Right. They go that back and forth from Palm Beach to the Hamptons ben. or to right. Aspen, yeah, Gross Point, Nantucket. I, I, in fact, I ran into some of those people in Nantucket when I was there. Yeah, I spend a lot of time or a bit of time in Man in Nantucket every summer. Full That's disclosure. Oh, do you? you know? <laughs> yeah, and I love Nantucket. It's Wisconsin. beautiful. Yeah, I'm up in Sconset too most of the time, which is mm -hmm. charming little. No, it's not the new. new I have a house in on Cape Cod. Wow. Okay. And I, love and I grew up going there. No, you, Andy, you got one. You got one up there. <laughs> my my Cape Cod is a different, completely different kind of Cape Cod than than uh, Nantucket is. I, I spent chat last year. We were in Chatham for about a month, and I loved Chatham. Chatham's beautiful. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Our house anyway, is in P Town, actually. This all oh, sounds lovely. On, yeah. I, I <laughs> love like Peter, actually. Now you're talking. Yeah. But let's, oh, uh, let's stop talking okay. about these things and uh, yes. get okay. back to the topic. Anyway, so your question was, yeah, Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago at the time was trump was different then though in, in 99 2000 trump was you know he'd just come out of the bankruptcies he was just poking his head back into the public eye and he was so excited to have a camera around and it was almost you know i always say that i've never known anyone who could be manipulated so quickly by flattery and so easily i mean it was really astonishing and it was wonderful. I, I loved it because I could get whatever I needed. And, you know, so we got to go to like a bunch of events there. And, and he was always, it was almost like, an, I almost felt bad for him because he was, I did, he was not like I imagined he would be and having followed his career because of being in entertainment and everything. He was more kind of pathetic, like he's so needy for attention. And, you know, I, I would see him watching for where the camera was out of the corner of his eye. He was always like, and then he would get in front of it and then he would make yeah. it, you know, a little comment. And he would say things about you guys. It was very, it, we weren't there to shoot him, but we, we made a play. We did it just to shoot him, just to get him, make him access. feel good. 
So yeah. on the other side of the uh, scale here, you got Matt Gates, who comes from the Panhandle. That's the northern part of Florida, the first district, uh, where his father is a very successful politician, has been for many years. Noel, you know a little bit about this, about the Gates dynasty. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, how different it is up there in, in the Panhandle from, from where Donald Trump is? Well, it's, it's definitely a lot different than Palm Beach. And Matt Getz's father was a very powerful state senator and a wealthy businessman in Florida who was sketchy, to say the least. And, and Matt came to power you know, as a state senator in Florida. And he was like the first big troll down there publicly. As I was telling you, he would tweet at people. One of his biggest things in the beginning was like he was at standing in line at a Publix or something at a, a grocery store. And the woman in front of him was paying with EBT card, like food stamps. And he tweeted out, I can't believe we have to give these people entitlement. This is insane. Just a real obnoxious, rich, frat boy kind of thing. And that made him very popular. You know, that made him immediately like a star on the conservative Florida political scene. And, and, and he milked that. And then he went to Tallahassee, which is very sleazy and corrupt, as we're now seeing. You know, there was the Jack LaVatla scandal. Remember the you know, so he fit into that world and then he wrote in, you know, U.S. Congress on, on Trump's coattails. He came in 2016, you know, and so he was already like, he was almost like Trump's lost son in a way. You know, and I used to joke, hey, Matt Getz is the son that Trump never had. Right. He seemed to- as far as we know. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother show. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're very similar, but, right? They're similar personalities and, almost. Yes. Yeah. And can I just say one thing? Yeah. Matt Gates is speaking at Mar-a-Lago this Friday. He's speaking oh. at Women for America First. It just came out before we are on air. He's yeah. speaking there ironic? this Friday. Like in, in the normal world, it's the exact opposite you want to do where you have rumors of a federal indictment possibly looming. You know, if you got a target letter, a person of interest letter, uh, what have you, the last thing you want to do is make public statements yeah. yourself. You, if, you, if your attorney feels that it's appropriate to make a statement, regarding the allegations, denial, things of that nature, that's completely fine. What these guys are doing are just is completely turning it on its head. And I don't think DOJ is going to be intimidated by it at all. Andrew, can you explain I, why, why is it a bad idea to make a statement? I mean, is it just because it's going to jeopardize what happens in court somehow? I mean, anything you say can be used against you. I mean, it's in your Miranda rights when they Mirandaize it. You're, you're waiving Fifth Amendment privileges there. You got to remember, in a prosecution, it's the burden. Yeah, it's the burden of the state to find, you know, to present evidence to a jury to find you guilty, all right? So a lot of times defendants won't, you know, will cross-examine witnesses, obviously, but they won't present any evidence themselves in their case, right. right. you know, because they don't want to help prosecution. You know, you, you rarely, if ever, see defendants get on the stand to give testimony because that exposes them to cross-examination and impeachment, and you'll get destroyed. I mean, 90% of the people, some something like that, who take the stand in their own defense lose. Uh, there, there's really? some crazy it's, it's statistic out there. You really, so, you just want to keep your mouth shut. Now they're doing a really lot of not anything. keeping their, their mouth shut here. Yeah, they're really, yeah, no, it, it's, it, you it's, know, I've seen Roger Stone, you know, make statements and people have interviewed him and what have you. And he is of the Roy Cohn mentality. Trump picked that right up as you, you attack your attackers. Doesn't matter if they may have an ironclad case, you attack your attackers, you, oh, yeah. you hit them in the nose, you counterpunch. That's yeah. the big thing with these guys. The thing is that will get you maybe some press momentum, but from a le- from a legal standpoint, it's going to do nothing. Once that jury's impaneled, okay, in federal court, state court, whatever, and you know, I see this every time, they're going to listen to the judge. 
They're going to listen to the, the both sides' arguments. They're going to listen to the judge, and they're going to be scared about violating any of the rules that the judge may have. And in 99% of the time, I, maybe not 99, maybe 95% of the time, juries get it right because right? they hear all the evidence. They deliberate for days sometimes, weeks even, and then they come up with a verdict. And it's usually right. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you got to appeal from a apprentice, you know, reality uh, show type thing. What they're doing is that, and it's not what you want to do. It's not. No one should take pointers on how to defend themselves from you know criminal charges by these clients. <laughs> and it wouldn't work for most people. Maybe it'll work a little bit for them just because they are who they are. They're looking at the court of public opinion, and that's they think that's a more important court. Exactly. They can lie, 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 and right. It, it, no one will know anything, and then they're they set, counting on the public opinion to rescue them. Right. They set the narr- They set the public narrative. They're not under oath, so there's no penalties of perjury. You you put them under you put them under penalties of perjury. You put them under oath. You'll see how quickly things change. Or you know, if it's a civil suit, you see what Dominion has done. You know, to all these lunatics that were saying oh, there were all these things going wrong with their, with their machines, which is just which is insane. There was nothing wrong. There was no evidence of that. And now you see all these, like um, the Kraken lawyer, backtracking. The Kraken is now Calamari. Well, I mean, he was one of them. Matt Gates was one of these guys. You know, he was one of these stop yeah. the steal guys. He was out there saying, you know, they need to overturn the vote. Before we leave his childhood or his upbringing, I want to share this uh, paragraph from Mother Jones. I just think it tells you a little bit about him. The meanest member of Congress hails from a town called Niceville, of all places, a sleepy enclave of about 15,000 nestled on... I don't even know, Choctawachi Bay, just off the Gulf of Mexico. When Gates was growing up, it was 90% white, solidly middle-class, and best known for hosting the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival in honor of the plentiful local fish, not the hairdo. The Gateses owned a second home in the nearby town of Seaside, and this is what I love, where the Truman Show was filmed. Gates, who has devoted his career to getting on television and spent much of his childhood in a house made famous by a character trying to get off TV, which I think is just a, a good little note to understand what this guy is all about. I love that show, The Truman Show the movie. So let's go from there to his buddies. Firstly, let's begin with Roger Stone and and Joel Greenberg. Let me just put them up. The reason why it's important to note that that he was in favor of Stop the Steal is because that's a very special club in the Trump world. If you're one of these congressmen or senators who supported Stop the Steal, you get things like this. You get like a, a special event at Mar-a-Lago where Senator Mike Lee is honored with special guests, Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert. And, you know, at $10,000 per couple, that's pretty impressive. You know, it goes into someone's bank account, probably in this case, Mike Lee's bank account. And you know, that's a significant amount of money for doing all that work for them. In addition, on the left there, you see a picture that they took in 2017. Now, the guy in the front is Joel Greenberg, who is the tax collector from a nearby uh, county called Seminole County. And the guy in the middle there is Roger Stone. They look like they're having a wild time. And it's between Matt Gates and Joel Greenberg that we've discovered there is a deep friendship, maybe, where they are uh, actively having these wild parties on a regular basis, which some, it it seems to include, uh, allegedly, I should say, underage uh, girls and boys. Now, we don't know that for sure yet. That's obviously the allegation that's being put out there, although it does seem like there's some evidence around there. Now, Greenberg himself is really fascinating. If he's a tax collector in a county, I don't even know how you get to be a tax collector in a county. I think you get elected in Florida, and there's basically like six county officials, like the mayor, and an election uh, official, and then a tax county official, and then a sheriff and one other person. And in that job, you have a lot of responsibility for income and and outgoing um, expenses. And he committed so many crimes 
while he was a tax collector there between 2014 and 2017. Kind of stunning. I'll just show you some of them because you can go through this entire list. I don't know if you can read that. You probably can't. But this is from the uh, the local newspaper over there that said this is just some of the headlines we've had in the recent past about him. So he's, he used to impersonate a, a police officer, uh, mostly to pick up women, it turns out. He was a thief until his last day because he used to steal IDs that were lost or handed into the office and then use them to register a Bitcoin accounts so he could mine Bitcoin on their behalf. He was once, listen to this headline, he solicited solicited a hacker to attack his own officer's computers and in demand half a million dollars in Bitcoin in ransomware. This is Joel Greenberg against his own office soliciting a hacker, allegedly. He's, he, what else he's got here? He also had a database to look up the miners in case, you know, the ones that he would invite out to these sex parties. So it's a pretty wild list here. I mean, I can't even go through so many of them. But the other interesting things that he did is he, he paid $384,000 $384,000 of the state's money to buy body armor. And in addition to the body armor, unspecified weapons, ammunition, as well as a drone with thermal imaging capabilities. $394,000. Can you imagine that? Or $2.65 million on a security force. Staffers could not say what the consultants did, but three of them went to his wedding. So he hired his wedding buddies to be security at the tax collector's office. And one more, $90,000 in creating a cryptocurrency uh, center, mining center in the office. He bought all this equipment so they could mine Bitcoin, basically, in a locked office in his office. Uh, the money, who knows where the money went to? Maybe the Bitcoin went to back to the state, but in all likelihood, it went into his pocket. And a $15,000 sprinkler system that could be turned on in order to get all the petitioners who are trying to get to the tax office um, to go away by sprinkling them with water. So an he's, overall he's just nice to collect guy. Taxes. Zab, that's all. He's just looking at your taxes. Just an honest guy. And he, you know, he's you, you know, it's funny. party bud. You brought up the Bitcoin thing. He he's mining allegedly mining Bitcoin on the state on Seminole County's dime. Yeah, because it takes a lot of electricity to do those mathematical computations. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it blew a fuse in one of the offices apparently. So they had to. Oh my god! They had to. It's like six thousand dollars in repairs. So it's like a Showtime, so uh, you know, movie, a TV series. It sounds so ridiculous, and yet here it is. This is just the reality of this guy in in twenty seventeen, as recently as twenty seventeen, and his best it's friend like all, is Matt Gates. It's like all these clowns are just trying to overwhelm law enforcement with crimes, so yeah. they can't get to all the crimes they've committed to, to hold them accountable for it. So they just, they're overwhelming law enforcement. I joke around about that all the time, but it almost seems like that's the case. You know, they just keep going and going, double down. And that's just what, that's what their mentality is. There is an that's element the of these one. guys just feeling like they're just, uh, you know, above the law and never going to get caught. I think it's more to, to just create their own reality that they're, they're beyond the law to just to just to push it and you know that's a, a fraudster thing that fraudsters do is you know, the more they're in plain sight the more ordinary people who would never do those things think oh he couldn't be doing it because he wouldn't right. be doing it openly right. <laughs> yep. you know, it must be okay and that's a very Trumpian. You no, know, that's a Trumpian very. playbook. He comes at yep. you with so many things. James wrote a book about the 4,000 lawsuits he had before he became 4,000 lawsuits he was involved in. And he, it's that same way. Like Andy just said, he comes at you with things that you get distracted. Look, as you know, as he's president, he did that. You know how many people were overwhelmed by the news cycle that you couldn't pay attention to all the little things. Yeah. Nobody paid attention to like him trying to have the FBI building not replaced because he didn't want it to affect his hotel thing. You know, or all the Secret Service charges at his golf club. You know, all True. these things that 
David Fahrenholt was covering for years, most people aren't even keeping up with because there's just so many things he's throwing mm -hmm. at you. And like Melissa Joe said, he does a lot of it in plain sight. A lot of Trump's mm -hmm. sleight of hand, like he didn't just do that in front of me, did he? You're right. Like, and he'll you tell know? you he's doing it while he's doing it. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's like so, Steve Bannon's theory of just you know flooding the zone with, with, with right. garbage. I mean, that's right. the, the mentality. You overwhelm you know the good people of our country and, and law enforcement and everything. But I, I, I have a feeling you know uh, times it, up for Joel it, at least. Things, sure. things are going to come to a head. They, they, they got to you, you if if you have someone that has the the guts, the wherewithal, the he'll go down. It's just the will to do it. They just need to do it, and and they'll take him down. So we have an audio tape of Joel and, and Matt hitting up a local state senator or a congresswoman. It's a little disturbing to listen to just because mm -hmm. it's just how they treat women is so awful. But narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. a couple of days for the first time in over a year. It was such a good opportunity to be on the road and it felt so good. It also gave me a chance to catch up on no less than eight books in one two hour drive. And that's because I was using this incredible app called Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. So when you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. That's really annoying. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes each that you can read or listen to. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com reach, try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com reach to start your free seven day trial. And you'll also save 25% off but only when you go and sign up right now at Blinkist.com slash reach.